me get, let me get my water again before I get going. I have not gotten over this, whatever this cold, like two weeks now. It's been two weeks. It's felt like two weeks. There we go. My wife's like, it's not been two weeks. You think, you think I get melodramatic with illness. Just because this is the worst cough I've ever had. Which it really isn't. But, all right, <laughs> welcome again. Uh, how many of you guys listen to podcasts? How many of you keep podcasts and listen to those? I, I discovered podcasts. Uh, I find myself actually listening to them a lot. It gives me something uh, more purposeful to do as I'm going back and forth on my commute on Ina Road, which is pretty much my whole commute. Uh, just start at one side of the hill and go back down and come back up. And, um, you know, podcasts, of course, you can learn just about darn near anything, right? You can learn about philosophy, uh, culture, um, you can learn about who's killing people and why the authorities have not done anything about it. Uh, there's this really good podcast I recommend. Um, it's called the Lord of Grace Podcast. There's this guy named Lars, and uh, sometimes he tells really bad jokes, but you might learn something. And it, it literally is. Literally, I actually did get on iTunes, and then there's like Spotify. I'm not on the others. I don't have time for that. Anyways. You got all these podcasts, you're flipping through your phone. How do you choose? How do you decide which ones you're going to listen to and which ones you aren't? You know, uh, you could decide, I want to listen to something useful. You know, I'll listen to something on how to fix my car or family therapy or something. I try to pick ones that either teach me something, and that's partly because I'm kind of a nerd and I like education, but um, I also like to listen to ones that kind of push me a little bit to think outside my comfort zone, things I don't agree with. Um, I won't listen to the crazies. I'm not going to tune into a QAnon podcast or something like that. But, um, you know, I think it's good to turn into, tune into views that, that do differ from mine. Uh, but ones that are insightful, articulate, uh, well laid out, um, because they're not things that I would probably naturally gravitate to, which is part of what makes them good to listen to. So, for example, when I'm doing, working on my house and painting, which I've been doing gobs of lately, because uh, you know how stimulating it is to just go up and down with that brush, I've been listening to all sorts of things. I've been listening to this, this science podcast, and I was listening to it just this week. It was, uh, it was a physicist and a philosopher, and uh, the, they were having this sort of debate uh, about whether we have free will. So I'm like, ah. This is theology in here, right? I'm getting all excited. And the philosopher, he was what they call a hard determinist. His argument was every single thing in the world that exists can be explained by physics. He says it's all fixed to physics. That was his answer. And the physicist was a little like, you don't believe we have any free will? No, there's always an answer in physics. And so I'm trying to think through my head like, you know, I can understand a lot of that, but like when I go to Dairy Queen and I'm like, man, should I get the Reese's or should I get the cookie dough or should I get the Oreo? I, it's hard for me to envision a scenario in which there's a physics equation that will explain why I picked the Reese's and not the cookie dough, you know? Um, I could tell you why I might want ice cream, 
right? It, you know, there's a sugar high and all these chemicals, but, you know, I get the same high off a of cookie dough as I do off an Oreo. I, it's hard to, and so even the physicist is like, are you really certain it's that much? And the guy said, yes, there, everything can be fixed to physics. And I thought, boy, you are so certain about that. It's almost like you believe in it. And of course, this guy's a total atheist who swears up and down that God explains nothing. And uh, then he absolutely, totally insists that, that he's got this answer. He gets a little dogmatic about it. It was fun watching the physicist go, are you certain it's, we have no free will? But, you know, again, I don't share that view. I think my, our own experiences show us that the universe is not quite so closed and predictable and regular as we think it is sometimes. And uh, it, it, it irritates me uh, sometimes when, you know, you get on these, some of these atheists talk about religion because they either get it wrong or they pick like the worst extremes. You know, all religion is Osama bin Laden and Ted Haggard. You know, and the only thing that happened in all of Christianity was the Inquisition. Jesus, Inquisition, thou were all atheists, thank God. And they're like, you know, the Inquisition only happened during this small period, whatever, right? But if you listen to them, they do that. It's kind of a, that's what they call a straw man argument, right? You pick the worst and you build it on that. Um, and sometimes the arguments they make, they make me mad. They don't comfort me, but I think they do make me a better Christian. And I try really hard when I'm listening to actually listen to what they say and not just be sitting there going, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're stupid, you're wrong. Or going through my head like, how can I, how can I refute this? Because I'm painting, right? How can I refute this? How can I prove you wrong? If I'm doing that, I'm hearing, but I'm not listening. If I'm already rejecting it before the words have even hit my head, then I'm not really listening to it. What I really need to do is try to soak in their arguments and take them seriously and consider them from their perspective. Because if I'm not, I'm not listening. I'm just hearing. And it's, I would say it's probably the same thing if I was only on podcasts that agreed with me, that validated me. And I'll admit, you know, we all like some of those. Um, I do like listening to church podcasts that remind me why I believe. Uh, but, you know, it'd be real easy to just tune in to, to find somebody online that's going to, you know, agree with everything and uh, get me all riled up so I can sit there as I'm going down Ina Road, which is, uh, we all got to admit, that's not exactly the calmest, most meditative space, right? When I miss that green light at Ina and Thornydale, and it's two minutes and 15 seconds. And I don't know that because I've timed it exactly from all 13 years of doing it. But when you're going down and you're, and you're going down, and you know, it'd be real easy to just listen to them and go like, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, they're wrong, yeah, 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 you know, and just have somebody get me riled up about all those grievances I have. I mean, I'd, I'd be pulling into that church parking lot, I'd be pumped. I wouldn't be a very good pastor, but I'd be pumped. And it would feel good, because it feels good to be validated, right? You know, it's why it's so easy, that dynamic, when you get a, a group of people that everybody kind of agrees, and the next thing you know, everyone starts talking politics, and everyone's complaining about the same thing they're complaining about, and why so-and-so is bad, and the next thing you know, it gets more and more negative, and everyone gets more and more riled up, and, you're, and you sit and go, why would you want to do that every week and get together? But 
There's a part of us, right, that likes to know that someone else feels what we feel, right? That, that, that there's a part of it that we always seek out em empathy. Where, where it can become dangerous is if that's all we seek out, then you live in a silo. But that isn't listening. That's also hearing. Because I'm already open to it. I'm already a believer. You know, I already want to hear it. Real listening involves opening myself up to the possibility that I would get converted by what I hear. It's being open to the possibility that what is said could change my views, that I could be persuaded. If I rule it out right off the bat, I'm not really listening. Real listening involves me taking my time and my energy to soak in someone else's story or their concerns or their ideas, even if it's not something I'm interested in or something that I care about, that's listening. If there's already a natural connection or an agreement, that's easy. There's nothing to be open up. I'm already open to hearing that I'm right. We all are. But if there isn't a natural connection or agreement, and you still open yourself up, then you're listening. And that can change you, which is part of why it's hard. See, I don't think, you know, I mean, I'll admit, you know, um, I, I'm not always sure that it's the listening part that we're afraid of. It's the fear that the possibility that I might be wrong and need to be, and might have to correct my views, and that's what we get more scared of. It's the consequence of listening. In the gospel story today, <coughs> excuse me, transfiguration. Jesus goes up that mountain, right, with Peter and James and John. And they look up. And suddenly it says, Jesus is dazzling white. There's Moses and Elijah. Why Moses and Elijah? A little piece of Bible trivia here. Because in tradition, neither of them died. Elijah, remember, was carried up in the chariots of fire, right? Do, 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 right? And Moses, that's not how it goes. I, I'm blank. Anyways, Google it. And on the other side is Moses, and it actually says in Deuteronomy, Moses got the people all the way through and look, got on the other side of the Jordan, looked at the promised land, went behind a rock, and disappeared. And so a legend, a tradition arose that Moses also didn't die. That God just sort of took him somehow. And so, there's Moses and Elijah, right? Standing on each side of Jesus. And then God the Father comes in, in a cloud. God likes to talk via cloud. And talks to Peter and James and John. And he says two things. That's it, just two things. It's making a personal appearance. God speaks up and he says, I'm pleased with Jesus. Listen to him. That's it. The creator of the universe shows up in person. No new laws. No new commands. Doesn't tell us how to get cold fusion to work. Or whether Rihanna is really pregnant. <laughs> she is, in case you've been living under a rock. No. It's like he doesn't need to add anything. Jesus is going to add anything that needs to be added or say anything that needs to be said. It's all there. 
God's like saying, you don't need me to add anything new, just listen to him. So you think about that. God the Father could have said anything, and his only command is, listen. They heard what they wanted to, because this is how the disciples worked their lives. They had a long tendency of hearing what they wanted to and discarding the rest. Just like the famous prophet, Paul Simon, said, All lies and jest, still a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. Mm-hmm. Long guitar solo. Garfunkel sitting in the back going, I'm still here. So Jesus told them they would have to suffer if they were to be his disciples. They listen to that. He told them they had to love their enemies. And listen to that. He told them that he would have to die for, the, for what he was doing. And they didn't listen to that. One of the hardest disciplines is listening. You know, I don't claim to be the world's greatest listener. I don't claim to be a master of it. I try. But like all humans, I fail. You know? Um, I get too much into sometimes thinking of what my response is going to be, what I'd add, how it relates to me. You know, we all do that. I know better what I should do than what I always do. Because I know that listening is life-changing, and maybe that's why it's hard. You know, until someone tells you a story of the hurt they've been through, it's hard not to feel pain for them, with them. When someone tells you what you did to hurt them, it really hurts your ego. When someone tells you a new way to think about things, you might have to admit that you were wrong. And you know that there's a name for it. I don't remember the effect, but like the longer we hold on to a position, the less likely we'll give up on it because the longer you hold on to it, the, the greater the admittance that you were wrong, which is why people will die, you know, insisting the earth is flat, even with somebody holding a photograph of a round earth in front of them, because the longer you insist that it's flat, the more wrong you are, our egos don't want to let us let go of things. I think sometimes listening to God is like that. What is listening to God like? It's coming to God without asking for something. It's not wrong to ask. Jesus says, ask and you will receive. It's just that if all you ever do is ask, your relationship with God gets a little bit one-sided. You know, you become like the friend who only calls when you need help moving things. You know, it's not as much communication as it can be transaction. Listening to God is opening yourself for God to speak, both when it's comforting and when it's challenging. And even comfort can be challenging sometimes, right? You know, I want to hold on to my anger. Or maybe I don't think I'm worthy of being comforted. Or, you know, challenge could just mean I have to change. Listening to God is trying to take what God says seriously. I have this exercise, mental exercise, that I, 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 I like to do. Um, and I, I, I recommend it. Play out in your mind what would happen if you actually did what Jesus said. Because I think it could get real easy when he says something, you know, and you read the command, you're like, oh man, that's, that's kind of hard, you know. How often should I forgive Jesus? Seventy times seven. Well, really forgive? 
You know, and then you think, oh, I just, I couldn't forgive that person. So I would say, okay, do a thought experiment. Play it out in your mind. Okay, if I went up to so-and-so and, and said, hey, look, I'm sorry what I did to you, what do you think would actually happen? How bad would it actually be? Are we writing it off before we've even thought about it? When Jesus says, love your enemies, imagine yourself going to the HOA board meeting and talking to the president who wrote you the weed letter. <laughs> He's not my enemy, but hypothetically. What would actually happen if I loved my enemy? Would it be as bad as my instinct thinks it is or have I just not allowed myself to play out the scenario to see where it could be? See, I think that's part of listening, is allowing it to soak in. Because I think we miss opportunities when we write them off quick. Listening for God is listening with the Spirit, that it will open up Jesus' words and make them more understandable in your life. So when you read about the Good Samaritan, a superficial reading, a reading anyone could get, is don't leave people who are beaten up by the side of the road without doing anything. That's the valid reading. But that's the easy reading, especially today. Because if I see someone by the side of the road, I kick out my cell phone, 911, cops, paramedics call, well, nothing I can do here, so I'm done. I think that's a lot easier than is the Good Samaritan parable about expanding who we think of as our neighbors and people in our community who we are responsible for. Ooh, now that starts looking like not as much fun. But I think the spirit would probably open you to the second one, and then you go, oh, I really got to include that person? Play it out in your mind again. Jesus says, uh, part of what it says, the reason he talks in parables like that is because people have a hard time listening. He says, let's go to Matthew 13. He says, the reason I speak to them, so he's talking to his disciples, them is the crowd. The reason I speak to the crowd in parables is that seeing they do not perceive and hearing they do not listen, nor do they understand. Wow, kind of harsh indictment on the crowd, Jesus. But is he wrong? With them indeed is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah that says, you will indeed listen, but never understand, and you will indeed look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes, so that they might not look with their eyes, and listen with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. See that? You're, 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 li you're, you're, you're listening with your ears and understanding with your heart. Jesus is saying that he has to speak in these stories and these analogies because the people there don't understand what he'd say if he spoke to them directly or they'd take them out of context. Or, or maybe they'd, you know, <coughs> put, in a, a, put it in a story form and just get confused. So he does that. But maybe they shouldn't understand it they're not ready for it. If their hearts are hardened, they won't understand and you wouldn't know anyways. So he, he tells people all the time. When he gets done with his stories, especially in the parables, he finishes up and then he goes, let anyone with ears to hear listen. He ends his stories with that all the time. And he's telling people that unless they open themselves to being changed, 
They won't get it. Because getting it, listening, is about so much more than hearing. It's about a, almost kind of a personal connection with the speaker. It, it's, it's opening yourself up in a deeper way, in a connection. It's more than just processing sounds. It's putting yourself in another's shoes almost. So much heartache, confusion, problems are caused by people not listening to each other. And so many problems happen because we don't listen to God. But when we do listen, it's amazing how much richer life is, how much deeper the connections are, how much closer you are with God. Amen.